0: Hi everyone and welcome back to the Making Milestones podcast. Thank you for listening in again to my stream of consciousness podcasts that are mostly just me talking fast about all of the horse things that either irritate me or incite a passion inside of me. So anyways, that's kind of the gist of this podcast is it's just whatever's on my mind at any given time and kind of just going off about it until I decide to finish the podcast um so anyways thank you for listening in again and just a reminder that You can access my other social media accounts on Instagram, which is S-D-E-Q-U-U-S, and on YouTube, which is just my account name, Shelby Dennis. And I also have a Patreon account where you can subscribe for as little as $3 a month to get behind-the-scenes content, get exclusive voting power for topics for podcasts, blogs, and YouTube videos, and... Some other things like training help if you do one of the higher tiers and general questions being answered on Patreon. Um, And that's a great way to support the podcast because for whatever reason, Anchor is no no longer letting me run ads on here. So anyways, for today's podcast, what I wanted to talk about was training horses and a lot of the problems related to that. And in specific with that, I wanted to talk about the lack of regulatory bodies to prevent people who probably aren't qualified to train horses from training horses and this is a problem that at the base level in all honesty is starting with the laws regarding animal welfare and this is something that very much bothers me with horses in specific because from what i've found with horses the bar is a lot lower for how much people are willing to tolerate abuse wise or mistreatment wise For horses in comparison to an animal such as a dog and what I mean by this is with horses in a public setting you could lay into your horse pretty hard physically and get after them pretty extensively, a lot more than you could with a dog in public and have it be accepted. And on top of this, you have things such as the practice of stalling horses for extended periods of time. This is way more accepted with horses than what we would accept with dogs or cats. If you had a dog or a cat that you were keeping in a kennel for 18 hours or more a day, and were posting about it publicly without any shame, people would absolutely have a problem with it and you would probably get slammed online and by your friends. And it kind of shows how much less appreciation people have for horses as emotional creatures and a less of an acknowledgement about their intelligence level and their species specific needs, because for the most part, modern horse care kind of throws out their species specific needs just out the window like we don't really consider them in modern horse care not to the extent that we need to and it's to the point where we have people who are starting out their riding careers never having had an education on the fact that horses are foraging trickle feeders who need free choice hay or the fact that they're complex social animals that are used to engaging in a herd and as such have pretty substantial social needs that are oftentimes not met in modern horse care and these are topics that are just not covered to the extent they need to be when people are starting out in riding so it's not really shocking at all to see all of these riders who have now been riding for years upon years some of them are lifetime horseback riders and horse owners but they've had such a fundamental omission of facts surrounding proper horse care that at this point they're not usually open to receiving any information that conflicts what they've been taught consistently by numerous people over the course of years and the problem with this is that it sets a really bad precedent for actually having any growth in the horse world because we have all these people who are just continuing to perpetuate untrue things that we have now just proven pretty on a pretty wide scale in science and that we, we know more now. We've done way more research on horses the last even five years than we have over the last few decades. So we know way more about them and we have more of a means to adequately provide for them and enrich their lives and train them in a more ethical manner. But it's not going to happen on the scale that it needs to until this is something that's being taught to the average horse person. And To put it in perspective, like the average lesson barn in order to make a profit, realistically, they're going to take a lot of shortcuts because it's very hard to profit in teaching horseback riding lessons due to the expenses associated with horses. So they're probably going to take shortcuts in what they're willing to put into their lesson ponies. And on top of this, they're probably going to try to cram more horses onto the property than what they probably should from an ethical standpoint and this also goes for boarding stables. It's more profitable to take into account what works best for people and what people are most likely to pay for and engage in without having complaints about the welfare situation of the horses. So it's beneficial to the people running such facilities to not teach their students about stress behaviors or the fact that horses need socialization and how atypical it is for them to be kept in individual housing that doesn't allow for any social interaction and it allows them to make more money so this is kind of a self-perpetuating problem because it's profitable for these people and since it's profitable for them even if they love their horses they're more likely to engage in cognitive dissonance and pretend it's not a problem even if deep down they know it's wrong or they know why some of the problem behaviors in their horses exist because they're making money off of it and admitting that they're doing something wrong would either revolve around them having to continue working a business and doing things the wrong way and making the same amount of money they are currently or it would mean that they'd have to change everything as they know it and completely adapt their living situation for their horses and how they train their students and admit that they had been doing things the wrong way which is a very very hard thing for people to do and it's a huge deterrent for change when people have to factor that in. So unfortunately, we have people who on paper might be good horse people from the standpoint of they might have highly decorated show careers that show their students that they've won at big levels in many classes and have an extensive record on the circuit. And they might even have the ability to turn around students that do the same and again, have good show records, win at shows and all in all put on the picture that they need to to have a judge give them a pretty ribbon and unfortunately this is widely mistaken as being good horsemanship and this is another problem that we need to target in the community because until in competition good horsemanship is actually factored in and consistently rewarded and made a major part of how you actually pin at shows and get in the ribbons until that happens show records will never have any impact on someone's horsemanship you can be a good horseman without ever having set foot in the show ring and on the flip side you can have gone to the olympics while being incredibly unfair and cruel to your horses because it's rewarded regardless of how the horse feels and until we see at the upper levels consistently having upper level riders having facilities set up for horses to at the minimum have Turn out in a small paddock throughout the day and be able to interact with other horses over a fence line and prioritizing the need of socialization, the need of forage, and the need of being outdoors in a place that's more mentally stimulating than a stall. Until that's prioritized by top level riders consistently to the point where it's not accepted to not be like that, we can't really say that horsemanship has anything to do with showing because we justify a lot of mistreatment towards horses on the basis of showing like one of the the most common justifications I see for people who don't turn their horses out is the fact that the horse is a competition horse and that they're expensive that they can't afford to get bite marks or any abrasion on the horse that could happen in turnout because they need to be looking pristine for shows and the fact that that's something that people have to first of all be concerned enough about to Blatantly deprive their horse of a base level need is a problem, but also the fact that judges and sh- people at shows are perpetuating this attitude is really concerning because. At the end of the day if you ask any person with a horse they are probably going to say that the reason why they got into equestrian sport is because of their love for horses. And I'm not saying that it's not true that these people love their horses but the love is just so misguided if we're willing to blatantly put our horse in a bad emotional state just so that we can win a ribbon at a show and continue to enjoy them in sport. And this isn't me saying that I think showing itself is unethical. I think it could be way more ethical than it is. And there are a lot of riders on the circuit who are doing things the right way and are pushing for the changes that we need to see, but it's just not happening on the scale it needs to. And unfortunately, a lot of the most powerful people in the horse show and training world are the ones that profit the most off of doing things a certain way, a way that's not as fair to the horse, but they're able to market it and capitalize off of it on such a large level that people that aren't even in their training programs will start to adopt their same techniques and try to do things the same way as them because they've met success in the show ring they've gotten clients their horses are probably talented at the sports that they do and physically they're probably shiny and fat and look good but that doesn't account for like the digestive issues that you can't see that come with stalling and it also doesn't account for any of the mental health and emotional issues that come with how we demand horses to live in our modern setting and i think That more people need to take that into account when they're looking at their idols and kind of critically deciding who they want to support in equestrian sport because I do think that for any young rider if you have goals to continue competing and kind of move up through the levels of whatever your desired horse sport is having people to look up to is important as a motivating factor and it gives a lot of people comfort so I don't think it's a bad thing to have riders that you respect and look up to but I think that the respect for them needs to extend past what you see in the show ring because what you're seeing in the show ring is honestly probably the best of what they have to offer in the vast majority of cases because even people with questionable training methods aren't going to enter the show ring with said methods on blast. They're probably going to hide them to some extent because they know they're wrong. And what I mean by this is unlike in the racing industry in the show industry all of the training that you're doing usually occurs on a private property other than maybe clinics or lessons on someone else's property but again these aren't happening super frequently and even within clinics and lessons it's usually mandated by a lot of clinicians that you're not to film during the clinic and within private lessons you're still not in the public eye in the sense that you would be at a public racetrack where anyone and their dog can come and watch you gallop your horse so the problem with this in the show industry means that people can do a lot of shady things that they might be embarrassed to do in public and I think that I think that that's very concerning because there's no You can't hold people accountable if they're doing stuff behind the scenes because especially people at the top of the sport, even if they have working students or students or stable hands or grooms that are working at their facility, seeing what they do and do not feel right about it and it does not sit right with them and they know it's wrong, even in those cases... In order to incite change and actually out the person for what they did, first of all you need proof beyond a shadow of a doubt and even if you were to get a full video of the person and leak it of them abusing their horses or something, you're highly likely to get pushback from people who support the person even if in the video it is pretty clear they're doing something that's wrong. and. It can result in complete ruin to the people who are brave enough to speak out, which means a lot of people who have seen wrongdoings are silenced, or if they do speak out and they don't have physical evidence of it, they're written off immediately, and it can completely destroy their part in the horse world, and... Of course, the other problem is if there isn't physical proof, there's always the risk of someone just doing something vindictively to try to get back at a trainer that they don't like for whatever reason could be completely unrelated to the horses and they could decide to fabricate a story. But with that said, I would say that with especially the top level riders like anyone who has a large amount of influence i think it's a lot less likely for someone to publicly lie about them with their actual name attached and just take the fallback from that because it's probably not worth the bad press you're gonna get just to make up a lie about someone i could see it happening if they had an anonymous account and tried to leak a rumor but i don't really see the benefit in the average person going after an olympic level rider or a grand prix rider or anyone that has a huge backing behind them because it is more likely to bite you in the ass as the whistleblower than it is the actual rider or trainer and the problem with this is that there should be organizations and like places that people can go to report abuse of power towards horses or students like we have safe sport now which is great for the riders but what protects the horses you don't go to safe sport to report the fact that someone's beating the crap out of their horses or is drugging horses for shows or is doing horrible things in training just so they can get to the top a little bit quicker you can't go to safe sport for that and also you can't really report it to an animal rights organization like the SPCA because it takes quite a lot before they can legally do anything and a lot of people use this as an excuse to blame organizations like the spca for not doing enough and say that they're not doing their jobs but that honestly couldn't be more incorrect the spca they probably have employees there that would love to do more than they are in a in an abundance of circumstances but are physically limited from doing so because of the welfare laws you can't remove an animal from a property to save it even if it's blatantly abused and neglected and you can clearly see that until you are legally allowed to do so and unfortunately there's a lot of protections to protect the owners of the animals and give them another chance than there are to protect the animals from said owners and i'm not saying that people who have had neglect cases or who have made mistakes in the past i'm not saying they should never get a chance or that people shouldn't have a benefit of a doubt circumstance for people who have fallen on hard times or for elderly people who may not have been able to get out to feed their horses or have something terrible like that happen i think that there does need to be consideration for cases like that but We're not having enough protections for the animals right now, and it's also way too easy even in cases where people have been charged for animal cruelty or neglect to get back into owning animals with little in the way of repercussions. And it's because our laws prevent there from being said repercussions, and there's not a whole lot in place to protect animals from bad people. And that's a huge shortcoming in the animal world, and honestly more so for livestock than anything else. Like at least with pet animals, you're more likely to get... A lot of outside push even in cases where you can't get held legally accountable if you get put on blast for mistreating a dog or a cat you're more likely to get a ton of push from the public that will force you to adapt your habits out of shame and out of mistreatment from other people than you are with livestock like the amount of things people can publicly post of them doing to their horses or cows or pigs like anything on a farm basically the stuff you can post you doing to them and have it be accepted by the masses and even if you do get some comments that are calling you out for mistreatment it's not enough And I think that, like I've said this before in a lot of other podcasts, like TikTok is an excellent example of this because the things that people post publicly with their names attached of them doing to their horses on TikTok never ceases to blow my mind. Because it's just so blatantly cruel and I don't understand how someone first off could engage in the behavior first off. But secondly, engage in the behavior and then post it without shame and make jokes about the fact that they are causing their animal immense distress and hurting them. And it doesn't have to be just be physical pain. It can be emotional pain, mental pain, like anxiety and stress. And like the mental component from that can cause damage physically. And like anyone who has a mental health diagnosis of anxiety or depression can speak for this. There are physical repercussions to feeling a certain way for extended periods of time. And this is also reflected in study. So I'm not just saying that you have to use the anecdotal part of looking at yourself. But there are lots of physical repercussions that are negative following lengthy periods of distress. And this is also seen in animals. So... I suppose like the purpose of this podcast is to just kind of like talk about the lack of regulations when it comes to horse trainers and encourage people to be more critical of who they respect and who they use as a trainer because it is just simply not enough to put all of your trust in the fact that someone has been able to produce winning horses in the show industry or has produced well-trained horses consistently in a program where they're well-trained in that they're obedient But at what cost? And I'm not saying this is that you shouldn't have well behaved horses. But if your horse is obedient, because someone has shut them down and scared the crap out of them to the point where they are afraid to make a mistake, is that really what you want as a horse person who I am sure will say that you love your horses and that you have a bond with them and that you want to have a relationship with your horse and that you're in The sport for the love of the horse lots of people will say that and if that's the case why do we want horses who have no personality who are so scared of doing the wrong thing that they just shut down and go through the motions robotically why would we want that if we're actually in this sport because we love the animals would you want your dog to never show true affection to you to fear the tasks that you ask it to do because of the repercussions of the wrong answer would you want that from your dog would you want your dog to be depressed in every instance when they're not out with you getting mentally stimulated by going for a ride would you want them to sit in a dark room by themselves for hours on end i don't think so but for whatever reason we accept it with horses so in order to combat this, like since we don't currently have like a across the board governing body to hold trainers more accountable and ensure that they actually have the knowledge to be advertising themselves as a trainer. Until this happens, we need to be more critical of others as the client. So for those of you when you're looking for a trainer or a boarding stable or Just a rider that you like to watch on TV in, like, upper-level competitions to idolize. Be more critical of them. Look up what they do in their barns in terms of, like, what setup do their competition horses have? Are they stalled 24-7? Do they actually get to go out with other horses? What type of training methods are they promoting? Do they typically ride in really huge bidding rigs with the intent of kind of forcing their horse into submission through the harshness of what they put on their horse? Do they have horses that look hyper-stressed in all situations? How do they interact with their horses outside of riding? What type of things are they promoting? Are they encouraging you to rough up your horse and demand respect from them when they give you an answer that you don't want? Look critically at everything they do, from regular horse care to training, and ask yourself, if I was a horse, is this what I would want? And obviously that's not an accurate assessment, If you don't have enough empathy for horses, but assuming that you're listening to my podcast because you have empathy for horses and not just because you think I'm annoying and or hate listening to what I say so that you can make fun of it with your friends after, assuming you're here for the right reasons, I think that your level of ability to kind of use that as your means of critically looking at other trainers is probably a bit higher than what the average horseback rider might have, because you're not going to feel hopefully targeted by these podcasts in a manner that makes you less critical or less willing to want to look into things from a scientific standpoint and look at it from the lens of the horse. So that's probably one of the better ways to start holding trainers accountable because, quite frankly, I don't think we can count on show organizations or the equestrian federations that basically pander to the 1% of horse people at the top that are funding all of their competitions and kind of driving the horse industry. I don't think they're likely to make a step that will hold those people more accountable when they outnumber anyone that would actually agree with such regulations and organizations to be held accountable with. So we require the general public to kind of take that step and to kind of push for it more because at the end of the day the clients and like the average horse person that's not at the top levels we make it possible for all of these upper level riders to actually get there because we're paying them either through lessons through training training with them with our horses through watching them at shows buying their gear their stuff that they sell equipment for the horses and so on and so forth and we also buy memberships for these organizations like USEF, equine canada hcbc which is like our local governing body for insurance to keep you safe when you're riding all of these places are funded by the little guys that you'll never see at the olympics so there is more power there than what people think but the problem is that the power is only in numbers so we need more numbers of people demanding things from the upper level professionals like when you see an olympic level rider do something that you think is crappy don't be afraid to point it out because you do not need to ride a meter 60 course to look at someone and go, hey, that chainsaw that you have in your horse's mouth is probably hurting it. You don't need to be jumping at that level to know these things. And on top of that, you absolutely do not need to ever step foot in a show ring to actually be adept at reading equine behavior you don't like it has absolutely nothing to do with that and in fact i would argue that the average person in a horse show ring is probably actually less able to effectively read equine behavior due to becoming desensitized to a lot of blatant stress signals which is why so many people at the top levels of horse sport are willing to blatantly deny these problems and just say that people are stupid and not educated on the top levels of sport and couldn't ride as well as the person they're criticizing and the thing is it's not about riding it's not if you're just looking at horse care and ethics surrounding like the care and training of the horses you do not need to be physically capable of being the same level rider as these people at the top of the sport you just need to be more capable of actually providing for a horse emotionally and physically from a health perspective than they are which honestly a lot of people are And there are upper-level equestrians that promote the good things, like Carl Hester is one that comes to mind for someone that is very adamant about the importance of turnout and socialization, and I'm sure that if I were to compare how I would ideally want my horses to live to how his might, I still might not agree with how much his might stay stabled, or some of the stuff that goes on there but he's one of the trailblazers for people at that level by promoting that and I'm not going to heavily criticize someone like that even if there's things that I would tweak personally because he is setting a very good example to other people at that level and showing off the fact that he has these very expensive horses that are actually getting to be horses so he's a good example for that and then we also have people like Michael Young and Ingrid Klimka who are great to their horses and have like... Michael Young in particular has posted an abundance of photos online of his two big competition horses who I'm sure are worth bundles of money being turned out together naked without any blankets just in fuzzy winter coats getting to be horses and something as simple as that does make a statement and it's what garners my respect the most for these types of riders is to see that they're able to compete in less equipment than the average person and their horses actually get to live a normal lifestyle for the most part outside of competition or at least they're making more of an effort to provide such a lifestyle and Understanding the importance of these basic things that horses need instead of just completely ignoring them or outright denying them and trying to make up justifications on why their horses are different from others and their horses don't need to go outside, their horses are content with being in their stalls, and so on and so forth. So, I have a lot of respect for riders like this, even if I don't completely align with everything that they do. And I think that distinction is important in horse care because we get extremes on either side you have the extreme of traditional riding which is like muscling horses around punishing them for everything quick shortcuts to get to where you want and overvaluing show records and then you have the other side which is the positive reinforcement side purely positive don't use any pressure you're a terrible person if you do and i'm gonna criticize anyone who's even the slightest step away from what i view as the perfect ideal and there's problems on either side because the people on the traditional side will look at feeding your horse treats ever and be like oh your horses are gonna walk all over you Da 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 but then ironically these same people are like doing stuff like lip chaining their horses for basic procedures, needing to sedate them for clipping, having to use harsh handling all the time to keep their horses that they claim are well-behaved in line for basic procedures. So, There's irony on either side because at the end of the day, even if we wanted to move towards a world where like everything was completely positive reinforcement, no pressure, horses have complete autonomy to make choice, if that's what we're moving towards, you can't get there without doing the steps towards that direction and you won't get those steps if you're too stringent and just put down anyone who isn't already 100% of the way there. So there's problems on both sides, which is why I try to make these podcasts to kind of place myself in the middle and say that like I understand where both sides are coming from and I understand a lot of people's concerns because there is just such a widespread mistreatment of horses and it's rewarded on such a large scale that it's hard to view the ability for that to change. But things are starting to move in a much more positive direction and even like for myself within the last several years of like being online and posting about my horses online I've noticed a pretty distinct shift in a lot of people and how they care for their horses and their willingness to be open to science and like different ways of keeping horses in a more ethical light and their openness to actually read about these things without getting defensive is growing. There's a lot of people who had once been at my throat and being really cruel to me on my social channels that have since messaged me and apologized and said that they've listened to what I've said and that they've tried some things, noticed that it's made a difference and that they thank me for saying what I'm saying. And I'm sure that other people in the community that are doing similar things or perhaps more i'm sure they can speak for the same things occurring and that's a really promising change in the horse world because horse people are super slow to change we're very old-fashioned and there's a lot of highly outspoken people that have archaic methods but are so well respected and idolized in the community that basically you're just yelling into an echo chamber if you ever try to criticize anything that they do So my vision for what I would personally like to see in the horse world is some sort of governing body, not for coaching, but for horse training, training of horses, because even as a coach teaching people, you are still having to train horses. So this training body should be a basic requirement before you can declare as a professional, and it should include basic training concepts of operant conditioning and behavioral science, behavioral modification, and Make people prove their knowledge of adeptly reading horse behavior signals and actually correctly being able to identify communication from the horse and identify stress signals within the stable, like in stalls and when riding. It should require people to show knowledge of these and the ability to teach their students the same thing so that we're not having people declare as professional and arguably be able to have horses perform well enough to get ribbons and have it put on enough of a show that people believe them but that we don't have people just declaring as professional and then proceeding to teach people stuff that is Been proven to be incorrect and unfair to horses, and continue to perpetuate these mindsets in the horse world. Because, in order to cause mass change, we ultimately need to alter the quality of the average trainer. And unfortunately, since in the animal training world, basically anyone can just decide to start training, and as soon as they start accepting money for training, they're a professional, but there's no quality control in that. And that's the problem. And I'm sure people will look at me and be like, hey, Shelby, you're hypocritical for saying this because where are your quality control requirements and you're right but the problem is I don't want to test through our local coaching organizations because first of all my priority is not training people it's training horses I use my online stuff to kind of interact and talk to people but my passion is not in working with the owners because I find it frustrating in modern horse training because you have so much less control over how the horse is handled and it can be disheartening. So my preference is to work with the horses myself, but also work with the clients through that because it gives me more control over what their horse does and thereby a better ability to engage with the client and help change them after they get the horse back and see that the behavior has been modified. But with that said, I don't currently have my coaching license here because i don't coach enough people and the coaching license standards that I'd have to pass are basically just proving that I can ride a horse and go through a dressage test, lunge a horse, and then teach a basic lesson. During all of these things, the horse could be showing significant emotional trauma and be very stressed and I could still pass and get my certification. So frankly, that is meaningless to me because also like even within that if we're looking at it from a human perspective, I only really have to show a base level of learning theory in terms of being able to teach people too. I don't really have to show that I'm able to connect with and engage with different types of riders and learning styles or help people who might be mentally struggling with disorders like anxiety or depression. None of that is tested. So even in terms of getting my coaching license for people, I could be a horrible bitch after getting my coaching license and basically bully my students, but I would still have my coaching license. And the unfortunate part of this is that there's a lot of people with their competition coaching licenses that have quote-unquote proven that they can teach riders but then you go to the show ring and you see these coaches bullying their riders in the warm-up ring in front of everybody so even that standard is not held up and only until recently with safe sport is there any real recourse for coaches if they are to mistreat their students um so yeah, that's why I don't have my tested competition license because like I said, my priority isn't teaching people and the coaching license does nothing to prove my ability of training horses. With that said, instead of doing these certifications that frankly I don't really believe in and think are a little bit bullshit because of the requirements surrounding them, instead of doing that, I've been going through getting my equine science certificate and I'm only two courses off getting the full credit for that now so I've taken like I think it's like seven or eight equine science courses now so I'm almost there and that has been like life-changing in terms of my ability to like be able to read horses more adeptly and then also be able to enact behavioral change and train better because I actually understand the learning theory behind it. And on top of the equine science learning theory, I've also done human psychology courses in university, but I'm a ways off actually having any paper trail of that because university is so expensive. And um, again, that's not a priority because it's human psych. But again, a lot of the psychology concepts towards humans are very much applicable to animals so it still aids me in my ability to train but then the problem with this is that my education in equine science is largely undervalued by the average horse person and you, I get a lot of pushback from people who simply don't like me online trying to do shady weird shit like looking up my show record and trying to use that as a means of like devaluing the work that I do or trying to say that I'm a fraudulent trainer which frankly is hilarious because first of all I'm well aware that my show record is public go fucking look it up I don't care I have been very open about how expensive showing is and how much cost has been a deterrent for my ability to show on top of that my main work as a a trainer is with young horses problem horses horses off the racetrack essentially horses that are either unstarted have problems or need a restart i work very much with young horses that are not developed to the point where they are even going to shows or if they are going to shows it's very much at lower levels at which point i would never recommend to my clients that they take their green horse and pay 1500 dollars to go to an a-rated show just so that i can have a competition record from that show when it doesn't make sense from a training perspective for the horse so it's funny to me how much people value that show record when it has no influence on my ability to do my job like that's something that i frequently ask people how would having a show record at like bigger jump heights like let's say a meter 10 and above or to a meter 20 and above or going into the grand prix ring how would being able to do that on much more experienced horses have any influence on my ability to fix problem horses start horses under saddle or restart race horses into new careers and give them foundational riding none of that stuff would actually help me do my job and it's one of the reasons why, when I'm advertising my training or talking to a new client, like my show record has absolutely no basis because I'm putting a foundation on your horse. I'm addressing problems that they might have fear based problems, anxiety based problems. Maybe they have a rearing problem that w- caused that started happening when they were in the show ring or something. I don't know. All of these things, I don't need to be able to pilot the horse around a meter 20 course to actually get the work done because I'm fixing problems that were probably there because of people's desire to get them to the end goal way quicker than they should have. And showing is great. Showing can teach you a lot of cool things about horses and it gives you a means of actually like proving how much you have developed a horse when you take it there. But the problem with that is a lot of people who are in the show world first of all the horses they're riding they've not developed themselves so all it is proving is their ability to create a partnership with that horse and ride it and i use partnership lightly because said partnership can be more like a dictatorship with how some people train but at the end of the day their work to get there for most competition riders has not fully been their own because there has been someone there who started the horse under saddle and got the foundation to whatever point it was when the rider started getting on it and i feel like people undervalue that foundation an awful lot because if the foundation is shit and not well laid you're gonna get to the jumpers and maybe you'll be able to get up to a meter ten or higher before the problems start to really show but if there's a bad foundation your horse is not going to perform as well as it would have if it had had a good foundation from the start so these foundational rides and the introduction to how a horse learns about riding are very important for their future career because if they have a bad experience from the beginning and they just learn to view humans as shitty mean people who are never going to be nice to them under saddle then they're always going to have that type of negative outlook on how their riding develops and it's very hard to break that once it occurs and it takes a lot more work to kind of counter condition these negative associations than it would to just never have them from the first place so i kind of went off on a tangent there but what i'm saying is that like even if I had more money to show, it wouldn't help me do my job better. It would just give me more experience in the show ring. And that would be a lovely thing. If I could get on more experienced horses than I have been and get on some horses that are more accomplished at the upper levels and get my experience built up at those levels, that would be great. But it would be more so for me than it would be for my ability to adapt in training horses. Because I'm never going to want to advertise myself as a pilot rider to get on people's horses that are already competing at higher levels and just pilot them around the course. That's not what I want to do. I want to make a difference in training horses who really need it and show people how they can accomplish things without using as much tack or force and go from there, you know? Like it would just be like, that would be something I would love to do for my own education, but it has nothing to do with my business or what what direction I'm driving that in and it's unfortunate to me that the horse world is such that we value something that at its core is such an elitist concept because showing is not accessible. It would be one thing if it was accessible to the average person, but with the cost of showing to like actually get a record that people will respect from you, you need to put in tens of thousands of dollars to like really get your name out there on the circuit as like a rider on the circuit, not just a trainer who's working out of their own facility. And If you're valuing that, basically what you're saying is that anyone that is worth respecting has to be someone that comes from money or has someone that can fund their show career or the very small percentage of lucky riders that have found a way to make it there themselves without a large financial backing. And... It's inherently elitist at its core because showing is not where the most of the rider's education comes from. And even people who compete regularly on the circuit should be able to admit that most of their work in terms of becoming successful in the show ring does not happen at shows. It would happen at home during lessons and clinics and so on and so forth. So it's weird that we have gotten ourselves to the point where we value something that is basically just, for lack of a better word, showboating what you have done at a specific place you know like you're just showing off what you've learned i guess it's all about kind of flexing your skills on other people it's not where you go to gain said skills which is why people that are developing as riders aren't going to just show up at an a circuit show to get a lesson and then start riding there right away you start learning at home and building the foundation that you need to get there in the first place um so Anyways back on track with like the governing body type stuff. So what I'm saying is that my education in equine sciences has influenced my ability to train far more than any show ever has. And I used to show pretty extensively as a youngster and I never learned anywhere near as much at shows as I have from going to school and educating myself online and talking to other trainers who are also educated in behavioral science and learning from them at shows basically all I learned was how to ride pilot a horse around the show ring and ignore a lot of the problems that I encountered and instead slap a band-aid on them even if it was to the horse's detriment and I also learned how to ignore a lot of hella stressed horses that were getting mistreated blatantly at shows and normalize it so in fact I would argue showing has honestly stunted me in terms of ethical riding because of how long I was subject to watching mistreatment occur directly in front of me before I was able to adequately recognize it and it largely desensitized me to a lot of major stress behaviors in horses to the point where I started viewing them as the normal rather than an indicator of stress. And that's kind of scary if you think about it. It was basically like an echo chamber of people with all of the same ideals, and even the ones who didn't think the same way, they were too scared to rock the boat and say anything in instances of wrongdoing, to the point where, like, when I was younger at shows, I would literally see horses show up to the show ring with bloody spur patches on their sides, and i was told not to say anything and not to report it to the stewards and i'm sure the stewards saw it because the horses were going into the show ring and the one that i'm the one instance i'm recalling it was a gray horse with raw skin patches from spurs raw you literally could not miss it even from like 50 meters away and there's no way a judge or the stewards at the show could have missed it but the horse was still allowed to go into the show ring and complete the class and this is just one instance of people's lack of discretion at shows and Unfortunately kids that grow up on the circuit are subject to all of these weird behaviors either sweeping problems under the rug even if the people witnessing said problems aren't okay with it or just blatantly not even being aware of it and being blissfully unaware and just going along with it because you're in a big club of people that are all supporting the same thing and are either in agreement with it or are too scared of either being persecuted if they were to say anything or too scared of if they were to say anything that it'll be the death of their sport. And that mindset is problematic because do we want this sport to continue to exist in the first place if we do not feel that it is mostly ethical? Do we want that? Like, are we really going to push to ignore problems rather than work to fix them? if we're not comfortable with them is that preferable to potentially having the extinction of the sport if it is not able to be made more ethical i think not but with that said i think in the vast majority of horse sports there is a ton of room for improvement and i think we should strive for said improvement rather than saying "Uh, uh-uh, let's just cut it and risk all of these horses going homeless and having problems and having people go out of business i don't think banning the stuff is the answer i think reform is the answer but i think that fear of reform because you're worried about the reform being pushed to a complete ban of the sport i think that's a stupid take to have and i think everyone should be for reform if we can actually tangibly prove what ways would be more fair to the horse if we were to change judging regulations typical welfare regulations when it comes to regular horse care at barns as well as at shows but anyways like i was saying my education in equine sciences has completely developed my ability as a horse person and i'm sure i'm sure that a lot of people who have been seeing my account and don't necessarily like me or what I do. I'm sure a lot of these people think that I'm hypocritical for the changes that I've underwent the last few years, and I'm also sure people on the other side who do more positive reinforcement stuff than I do also think I'm a hypocrite, because initially I would have pushed back against some of the opinions that I now support because of my lack of education, but that's the thing. It's not hypocritical to educate yourself and change your stance with an education. That is called growth. For any of you listening to this, if anyone gives you a hard time for changing your stance on something that you used to be in a complete agreement with and going on to a side that you might have first argued with just tell them hey hey sweetie this is growth it's not hypocrisy it's growth normal people when they when they encounter new information that proves them wrong they will Absorb the information and change because of it. That is normal. That is what you do when you are actively trying to learn and grow. And of course, sometimes your growth may stagnate and you might need more time to kind of acknowledge and come to terms with things before you change. But if you do change, it's not hypocrisy. It's growth. So anyways... The education that helped me achieve said growth was like the animal behavioral education. And I think for any horse owner or animal owner, for that matter, you'll never, you'll never fault from trying to learn more about learning theory and how the animals that you're working with actually learn and think it will only serve to benefit your ability to understand them and when you find yourself not knowing what to do in a training scenario or wondering why things are going sideways you'll probably be able to reel yourself back in and stop and kind of have that aha moment where you figure out the trigger of said behavior and are able to fix that You will never lose out from learning behavioral science. I can promise you that. Even with working with people, it will make you better able to understand why people are the way they are and it'll mean that you're less likely to blame yourself for the actions of others and more likely to be able to be understanding of why people behave a certain way because of certain internal triggers or external triggers or whatever going on in their life that might make them more irritable or vindictive or cruel like it'll help you understand people more too because like i said a lot of these concepts are interchangeable with animals and people to some extent and i recommend that to anyone and i also Would first, I I would say that all of these things you can learn without shelling out money for courses like I did. The reason why I went the course route is because I do want the certificate because I do need some paper copies showing my knowledge of behavioral sciences and that I have actually educated myself on equine behavioral sciences for my business purposes. That's why I chose to kind of go the route of going into an actual school which i did through guelph university their courses are phenomenal again i've said this before in my podcast so i don't want to plug them for too long but they're fantastic if you want to go that direction i would highly recommend their classes they're really easy to follow i love the online interface and they're just the, the the professors there are fantastic and they have some of the best courses in north america that there are to offer i would argue some of the best internationally in the world so um Yeah, they're great. That's a really good good direction to go. With that said, if you are paying for courses, like if that's something you want to do, I highly encourage you to go through a university or a college or somewhere where there's some level of like there's there's standards for their professors and that you know that they have the education to actually be correctly teaching you because there are a lot of horse people nowadays that are starting courses and offering training services online for people to learn from but if they don't actually have a tangible like tangible proof of their behavioral education then you're kind of just throwing yourself to the wolves and trusting the fact that the person knows what they're talking about. So if you're going to shell out money, I would make sure to go through either a college or a university or a trainer who has proof that they've completed the necessary education to be preaching what they're saying. Um, And if you don't go that way, I would recommend um, there's there's an abundance of like horse resource sites for behavior i have a bunch linked on my um my website on the resources page if you go to milestone slash resources you can check it out there and i'm constantly adapting it and there's also some really good accounts on like social media for like instagram or facebook there's some really good facebook groups that have good resources and obviously if you're joining a group where there's group discussion people will have different levels of qualifications but since you're not paying for the qualifications it's less of a risk if someone is to give you something that isn't necessarily true there's some really good what there's some really good facebook groups so um clicker training horses is a good one i'm pretty sure shauna karash is in that one um she's definitely in the empowered equines r plus group and she answers a lot of people people's questions and posts video responses and she's one of the most accredited equine trainers especially for employing behavioral practice she is fantastic she was one of the first people to bring clicker training to horses if not the first um so you get free resources from someone like that which is pretty huge and she is willing to do a lot of free help and like even responds to people's stuff on those sites and then there's also some people who have worked with her that are regularly responding in those groups which is great so if you want to start learning about like learning theory even just posting a query in any one of those groups is a good way to start because you'll get a lot of comments from different people coming from different backgrounds and both of those groups are mostly positive reinforcement based they don't really um, include negative reinforcement which is fine and I would encourage you to talk to people within those groups because as it stands generally speaking the people with the most education on behavioral science right now are the positive reinforcement trainers Um, And not all of them are positive only, but I would say you stand the best chance of actually getting accurate information if you go into the groups where there's a higher concentration of people with behavioral backgrounds than you would in a traditional training group. And then that way you can kind of join groups from either side and then balance and learn that way. But anyways, so like I was saying about qualifications, like my university courses are kind of my qualifications in terms of actually being able to, accurately modify behavior and then of course i have my practical qualifications with experience in the field um and yeah my references from that and whatnot but there's not really anywhere that i can test from that's like a standard regulatory body for equine professionals there's a number of organizations you can test from to get accreditation from them but none of them are the standard so the problem with that is you're kind of just picking and choosing and since there's no industry standard it means that people can kind of take or leave what they choose to view as credible even if the organization itself is highly regarded by people who matter since there's no standard it's kind of hit or miss because you can get certified or you can yeah you can get certified through anyone and for me like for until there is like that long-standing regulatory body I'm probably just gonna go continue my way with equine sciences and get my finish getting my certificate and then try to get certified through a behavioral certification board for horse training and one of the more respected ones for that and then if I decide that I have the drive and money to do so eventually I would love to get um, my master's in animal sciences or equine behavioral sciences so that I could actually declare myself as like a behaviorist you need a PhD for that though so or no sorry a doctorate I don't know what I'm talking I think it's a doctor I don't know guys I don't I need to look these things up I can't remember them accurately enough and recall them when I need to without having anxiety about being wrong so don't quote me on that but like you need a degree to be able to call yourself a behaviorist and That would be something that I think would be really cool, but I don't know if I have the academic drive, and I definitely do not have the money to get a master's right now, so I mean yeah so that's kind of the way that I would be heading to kind of give myself more credibility and hold myself more accountable as a professional um eventually like I will be getting my Equine Canada competition coaches license as well just for the sake of having it because it there there's you have to buy like a license that you don't have to t- you can buy one that you don't have to test for starting 2021 if you want to coach at shows um but I kind of want to get the legitimate one because it also lowers my insurance costs but like I said like the required Requirements to do so don't really do much in the way to ensure that I actually know what I'm talking about when it comes to horse behavior and that I can train like empathetically according to how the animals actually learn and be able to accurately read their behavior signals um so I don't love that but it's also just for training people so I'm going to be doing it just for that sake but yeah, other than that, like there's not really a whole lot of options. Like one of the big um certific- for certification bodies for like behavioral stuff is IAABC. I- I- um and they do stuff for like dogs, cats, horses, and all types of animals and they have like a set of like core competencies that they want in their co- consult consultant consultants, I can't talk. And they're one of the more respected, respected realms when it comes to behavioral modification in animals and certification that follows that, um, which is really great. So that's definitely one to consider for people looking for a means of like further proof of their ability to accurately um, identify and adapt animal behavior. But yeah, at the end of the day, there's not a really a ton out there, and I think that we just need something that, like, in across the board, like if you want to compete at USEF or Equine Canada sanctioned shows or FEI sanctioned shows, that you need this base level certificate. Um, but I don't see that happening for a long period of time because, in all honesty, um, I don't think that most of the trainers at the top levels of these sports that are sanctioned by those organizations, I don't think most of them would pass. The, the requirements for a behavioral certificate because it requires extensive knowledge of animal behavior that would then require them to openly admit to the fact that their animals aren't being maintained within the five freedoms or kind mostly devoid of stress and training like they'd have to admit that they are using like coercion as a training method and that their horses exhibit conflict behaviors regularly in riding and so on and so forth so they wouldn't pass their certificate uh certification certification and i think that the fei equine canada and uscf are way more concerned about protecting the people that are funneling the most money to them which are the ones that would be most at risk of getting in trouble if they don't pass um So I doubt it'll change anytime soon. So I think our best bet is just to heighten our standards of what we expect from the average professional. And like, I want to, what I want to make clear is that like in any training of an animal or like even a person, like life can never be completely devoid of stress. But I do think we have to be more hypercritical of like the environment that our animals are living in. And this doesn't even, this isn't even to say that like you have to have your horse out on 40 acres in a herd of like 20 other horses that's like that would be lovely but it's more about being conscious of how the environment affects your animal and instead of being like satisfied with your horse remaining stall bound full time to start doing whatever you can to enrich the life they have and try to promote a more social lifestyle because horses are such social beings and being with human company isn't enough for them and on top of that they're never we're never with them all the time and they're used to being with friends all the time so that's one of the big changes that needs to have and that we need to be more concerned about. And I think that in doing so, we can start to make greater demands of like training facilities and just kind of heighten our expectations so as to push trainers that aren't adequately providing for horses in their training programs to want to change it because they're going to end up losing money. And realistically, for a lot of people, it's the loss of revenue that's going to actually create the big changes, unfortunately. Um, Sometimes the ethical stuff for a lot of people just is not enough and Also, like if you've been rewarded for something long enough, they can more easily deny to themselves that they're doing unethical practice in other ways. So I think that the easiest way to incite change is just by our individual demands and increasing our expectations for what we view as acceptable or okay towards our horses and holding people more accountable because we're finally seeing some riders at the top getting put under fire for their mistreatment. Like Andy coacher or coker however you say his name is one of the big ones that lately is finally getting criticized more harshly even though he went out in public with like the most disgusting bit setups of mankind throughout many many years along with people apparently being aware of the fact that he had a shocking system on his spurs for years apparently and unfortunately with people like him He's just the one that's been caught so far like it's definitely not just him there's a lot of upper level riders that are doing some shady shit and a lot of upper level riders that aren't doing shady shit but are well aware of what is going on and just choosing not to speak. And it's one of those things where at some point people have to decide to speak out and decide what's more important. And I do get it because as a professional in the industry, you're really limited to what extent you can call people out because of the backlash and obviously like legal issues associated with calling someone out. You have to be damn well sure that you're right and that you can prove it. Otherwise, if they decide to sue you for slander, you're screwed. So There's a lot of things that make it scary to go up against powerful people, especially if they have the money to like ruin you legally and within your job. So I understand that, but we do need, yeah, we just need to kind of have higher accountability for people in the community. And um, I hope it happens soon. And then I guess the last thing too, that would be good is the more people who start doing things in a more ethical way and kind of adopting more horse sensitive training and care approaches if they go to shows or go to clinics or go into the public eye at all and kind of promote what they're doing and are more vocal about that that also helps too because it normalizes it and it lets people see that there's another way of doing things and it'll let them start to see that it works so that's a good way to incite change as well and then just kind of sticking to your guns and holding your morals and ethics high and not being afraid to speak out against people because one of the dumbest things that we've kind of created as a mainstream thought in the horse world is that you can't criticize people unless you're riding at the same level as them and when it comes to ethics that is just such a fucking ridiculous concept because I don't know like I don't like you don't need to even own a dog or be a dog owner to watch someone kick their dog in the throat and be like, "Oh, that that's really not nice," you know? Like the idea that you need to ride at the same level as them to be critical of how their horse might be feeling, especially if you're well-versed in reading equine behavior, that's just absurd and that's a concept that we need to throw out the window and this isn't to say that people should have license to just meanly criticize anyone because there are going to be instances where you go to a horse show and there's going to be a horse that's highly stressed in the show ring and it's not always an indicator of the rider mistreating it or doing something inherently wrong per se it could be the fact that the horse had something happen in the warm-up ring that really stressed it out and then events started stacking on top of each other before it just finally had the last trigger where it couldn't take it anymore and had a big moment and since horses are flight animals we do have to be considerate of the fact that people can make mistakes that cause these things to happen while being the most well-intentioned people ever and then there's also the people who aren't well-intentioned that consistently have these problems and are using coercion and abusive equipment to control their horses so anyways i think that that we it's important to be conscious of when we criticize and when it's worth it but i also think that people need to stop being so afraid of like being called out for not being a good enough rider to be critical of an upper level rider who is just being shitty to their horse um and like I said, I think behavioral science is something anyone can gain learning from. Like, even if you don't actively work with animals, like, it's not something that's not going to be worthwhile to study. And it will help how you interact with everything in your life that has consciousness. Um, So here's to hoping we can make a good change in the horse world and kind of demand better regulatory boards to hold trainers more accountable and make sure that they're not only training people how to ride, but also training people how to actually handle and read horses well. Because you can know how to ride while just completely ignoring how your horse feels and not being like sensitive to that at all. And you can even know how to ride well while doing that. So We just need more instructors that actually do a behavioral education for their students past like just the brief stuff like oh yeah ears back means angry except in these occasions where i'll justify it um or yeah like your horse is just dancing when they're when they're weaving in their stall you know like stuff like that where they kind of gloss over what is the actual thing and change it to be whatever is most suiting to their ability to teach and do their jobs um And that would just cause I think that would create a lot of nice change in the horse world if there was just a better understanding of the actual behavior behind horses, because we've kind of butchered the approach of reading horse body language and taking things out of context or just blatantly lied to people about the general concepts surrounding it. And it's resulted in a really unfortunate scenario where we have so many lifelong horse people who have experience and years riding but can't actually read horses very accurately and it's very sad because it's hard for them to kind of come to terms with that and kind of level with the facts that maybe they're the ones that aren't reading their horses properly that it's not people that are onlookers or people that are criticizing certain stress behaviors in horses and why they exist um that's a hard thing to come to terms with especially if you do love your horse which most horse people do like I said it's a lot of misguided love and um yeah so like like I said I'm not against showing at all I just wish that it would be a little bit different and I hope that like judges will I hope we'll start getting more progressive judges in the industry that will start changing things to be more catered to the favor of people who are putting the work in to get horses happy at shows and less stressed and going around more relaxed without needing to slap on as much equipment or needing to take shortcuts in training like I hope that that all that extra work and desire to do things better for the horse I hope that starts getting rewarded more consistently than it is right now and For me as someone that shows a little bit like I hope that as soon as I'm able to start showing more as soon as I get back in the show ring I hope to help contribute to that change by bringing in horses that I'm not gonna discipline for doing the wrong thing like beating them for a refusal or bringing in horses that I have basically only been able to get into the show jumping ring because of throwing on extra bits instead of putting in a good flat foundation and whatnot so I'm hoping to kind of promote the change myself and how I run my program because I'm very much not about contributing to a lot of the practices that are common on the show circuit for getting horses into the arena faster than they maybe should but anyways that's kind of my thoughts on the show industry and like what we should change with regards to like trainer certification and how to have a bit more accountability and I would love to see it changed in the animal welfare laws, too. Like, I think there needs to be a baseline of what is acceptable care for livestock, including horses, and just more consideration for the fact that they do have emotions and they're not really any different from your dog or your cat in terms of their ability to think and feel things. and. I think that it would also make people a lot happier, like the SPCA workers and like animal control workers, if they're able to actually hold abusers more accountable because the laws allow them to do more. Because I can't imagine how soul crushing it must be to work in one of those jobs and really want to make a difference for an animal but not be able to because you're legally not able to because of the rules set in place. Animal welfare laws suck and there's very little accountability, and people in general are just super shitty to animals so we need more accountability and we need more laws to help protect our little furry friends and oh my god my cat just ate a lint no no scout okay anyways thank you for listening everyone don't forget to check out my other pages i just released another saddle pad color in my store you can check that out on my website milestoneequestrian.ca. go to shop milestone and then click on the saddle pads tab thank you again for watching don't forget to check out my patreon Um, account if you want to subscribe and support the podcast much appreciated and yeah thank you again for listening have a great day everybody